Welcome back, everybody. This is Jim Sirk with the Medical Sales Nation. Thanks for joining this podcast. This one, it's me interviewing Charlie, trying to dive into that complex brain of his and pull out some of his thoughts and experiences on how to self-develop. We're going to hit on what he calls intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. And believe it or not, it's not always about the money. We're going to also go into your logical brain and your emotional brain and how that taps into one's need for a challenge or for competition to keep one moving and growing every day. We're also going to go into the level of curiosity that one has that we have. So if you're more curious, you're more apt to self-develop, to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, and how to just get better at what you do every day. Charlie's also going to talk about the Myers-Briggs personality test and how using that test can help guide you along a, a way and to figure out how you learn as well as um, those motivators that you can find to be able to develop your own skill sets. He's going to go into different learning styles, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. So there's a lot going on here. So sit back, enjoy the podcast, and let's get going. Welcome back to the Medical Sales Nation. This is Jim Surick. Charlie Johnson. Uncle Charlie in the house. <laughs> there we go, Jimmy. All right, so we're back at it. Hope everyone's having a great week. We, uh, we're going to do a little interview, me interviewing Charlie more today, trying to dive into some of the great training stuff that he's done for companies, trying to get into his complex brain <laughs> and... Uh, Pull out some of his thoughts on self-development, which self-development, Charlie, I mean, how would you describe self-development? Well, Jim, I think many people wonder about motivation. Yeah. And uh, for a lot of salespeople, unfortunately, the motivation comes from the outside. And we call that extrinsic motivation. They're motivated by an award, a trophy, if you will. Uh, Kids grow up rewarded by trophies. They play hard, they get a trophy. Well, for the last 20 years, they play at all they get a trophy right but most of us are raised with extrinsic motivation you're a kid pick up your toys i'll give you a cookie mm-hmm. make your bed i'll get you ice cream right we grow up with ex- extrinsic study motivation. hard get a good grade get a good grade right get a get money get money get lose a-, a tooth you get money right when we look at like our careers our sales careers and there's a lot of times, you know, we can go through situational leadership and, you know, we're this motivated, you know, enthusiastic beginner and and go through that. A lot of us get two years, three years, four years into a job, into a sales role, you know, in in the medical field and you can find yourself in a rut, right? Right. And you feel you're not getting anywhere. You feel as, well, maybe instead of me, you know, selling OBGYN area, I'm going to go into orthopedics because that's going to motivate right. me. Right. They make more money. They make more money, right? And that's going to make me happy. And the money's going to make me happy. And how many times have you been in a training course where you're you're conducting the training and you find people have come from different industries and the money is really the money, the motivator? Well, people think it is. They think it is, Right. 
Well, so they end up a couple years later in the same spot they were with their previous company. And the issue, Jim, is really, if you understand the human brain, we have a, we have a logical brain in our prefrontal cortex and we have an emotional brain in our amygdala. A lot of people want to say, you know, I'm, I'm very logical, so I'm not very emotional. Or other people are very emotional and they don't think they're very logical. But actually, in order to be the best that you can be, you need to tap into both your emotional and your logical brain. And if you really look at the concept of intrinsic or internal motivation, people are driven basically by two things. One is challenge, competition. Mm -hmm. uh, do I compete? And there's a lot of competitive drive in, in, in intrinsic motivation because you go back to you know two animals and there's one piece of meat, right? The one that gets the, eats the meat and kills the other one lives, right? Right, sure. So we have a lot of things built into us to uh, compete for safety and compete for longevity, right? Mm -hmm. Now you to look at the other side and we uh, you start to think about our, our you know logical side. A lot of it comes down to curiosity. So you have you either have curiosity or competition that's inside you. Curiosity means you want to know more, learn more, do more, to drive towards some goal. Okay. Now that goal can be extrinsically set for you, like a quota, or you can have an internal goal where you challenge yourself and you say, I want to improve my performance by 10% next quarter. Mm -hmm. And then you identify, that's your strategy. Now what tactics do you need to take on to do that? I call those activities. Right. So what do you need to take on in order to be 10% better next quarter? Well, you have to take on, tap into your curiosity. If I am going to do more, then I have to have more to do it with. I need more tools. I need more things that I can draw from to be able to be better against myself right. and better against someone else. So we're sales rep, we're going to the hospitals, you know, we've got our seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, whatever it is, hospitals that you call on, and, and the surgeons associated with that. And you just feel that you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, right? And maybe you're hitting your number. Let's say you are, okay, you're hitting your number, but there's just something that's, you're, you're getting up and you're just doing it, and you're not motivated, right? And what is that about that individual? Because I've seen it, from a sales management, district manager, regional manager, VP of sales, you get people for the first two years and they're killing it. And then year three, year four, they're not, you know, they're, they're still there, they're still performing, but they've lost that edge. Right, they what, feel they're not growing in the company. So is that it? Is it really because they're not growing? Is it them? Is it the company's fault? Well, they, I think a lot of people believe that the company is responsible for their growth. I think it's it's a more rare situation where an individual says, I'm responsible for my own growth. Right, well, and why is it though, and it's a kind of a rhetorical question, why is it Why is it that we, as, as, as sales reps or people, really, I don't know if it's a sales rep thing, but we look at the company and say, well, it's kind of your fault that I'm in this rut. Why do we do that? Well, I think we grow up and, and we compete, uh, but a lot of our competition is external. Yeah. We compete with our friends. We compete with our kids. You know, we compete with our uh, teammates. Yeah. Uh, very often, you start to compete with your teammates. And the competition may be who can complain the most versus who can sell the most. 
Right. I think people get pulled into situations that they don't really want to be in. Okay. But somehow there's comfort in that belonging to someone else that feels the same way. Yeah. And they don't want to uh, do the hard, hard self-development is hard. Right. Right. And the one thing, you know, the one thing I believe, you know, you know Charlie, from a self-development standpoint, that I always try to communicate and... We've worked with some people in the past and who have always thought that reading a lot, right? Reading books, articles, Harvard Business Review, just reading, just to get other perspectives was really important to their development. And then what I saw happen out of this is that folks, they're reading different books and they weren't, you know, they weren't always sales books, right? A lot of them business books, but a lot of self-evaluation type books, self-reflective books. And then they would have a little book discussion within you know, a group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's your thoughts about just reading? Just if you're looking at yourself today, you know, you're a sales rep, you feel a little stuck. How important is it just to start reading different, you know, nonfiction or nonfiction books? books? Yeah. Well, I think you start reading out of a out of a kind of that sense of curiosity about information. The problem is reading for self development means application of what you read to your own life. Right. A lot of people can read about other people's success, Mm -hmm. but they don't see how they can replicate that because they don't know how much that person uh, challenged themselves to be better every day or be better every quarter or be better every year and how much that drive for being better, a curiosity of what I need to know to be the best, drives the most successful people in the world because you talk to many many multimillionaires that have a lot of money and they'll tell you they're not happy yeah no it's absolutely true i was just watching you you talk about you know money i was just watching a documentary called the minimalist and i think i saw it on netflix and it was it was really about individuals trying to find the difference between happiness and fulfillment, which is an interesting question. I think we overuse the word happy because ha- happy is something that happens for a couple minutes after something, right? You can't be happy all the time, but fulfillment. And in there, there was a quote that they showed from Jim Carrey who said, I wish everyone in the world could be rich and famous so they would realize it's not the answer. <laughs> well, I think, uh, well, that's very true. And I, it, the problem is Jim Carrey is a celebrity it's very hard in your own life to meet extremely successful people who are still unhappy because a lot of people, once they make the money, they don't want to work anymore. They want to compete on the golf course. Right, right. right. Um, everybody has a competitive driver. It's where you express that competition. Mm-hmm. Are you competing with yourself to be better right. at your work? Are you competing with yourself to be a better golfer? Mm-hmm. Are you competing with yourself to achieve more or competing with your friend to make more? And I think people have to be, again, like you say, self-reflective to understand what are they competing with and why? And what's driving them? And, and Jim, you bring up the word happy. I think parents drive kids to believe that there's a state called happiness. I remember as a child, after Christmas and opening my gifts, my parents and grandparents asked me, are you happy? Are you happy? And I didn't really feel happy. 
but I felt I had to say yes. Sure. Because if I didn't say yes, I wouldn't get gifts anymore, right? <laughs> right. And I think happiness is a state. It's not a state of mind. It's, it's, a, it's a, a feeling that's very short-lived. That's right. A feeling that you get when you accomplish something. Mm -hmm. A feeling that you get maybe when you get a gift. For some people, it's giving a gift. But it's a short-term feeling. To me, happiness, if you want to be self-reflective and self-directed uh, and self-developing, you're going to gain happy moments from your successes. That's right. Well, and I, I think that's where things um, fall apart for some people because it's this ever-ending drive and need to find this, this happiness, especially in sales. And let's be honest, in sales, it never ends. It's constantly moving. The, the goal post or the goal line is kicked back farther every quarter, every year. And so you hit that number I, and you know it's the end of the last day of the quarter you hit your number you're happy the next day zero start right. at zero you wake again. up again every day you wake up right no matter how great the night a day or night before was but there's always tomorrow that's right and I think when you really look at uh, expressions of happiness you have people who work to succeed for their own self right and they're happy when they succeed mm -hmm. And they're actually happy with the process of working hard to gain something. You have other people who work hard because their family makes them happy. Mm -hmm. And their goal is to spend their time with their, with their spouse and their children and helping you know, raise them. Mm -hmm. And that gives them happiness. There are other people that work hard so they can spend time with their friends, right. you know, golfing or competing or going to ball games or talking about endlessly about a baseball and football team. People express their internal competitor, competitive self, a lot of times extrinsically, because they can't do it with themselves. Hmm. They can't sit down and say, you know what, I'm they, a lot of people I think say, you know what, I'm good enough the way I am, and it's the world <laughs> right. that's my problem. Right. And there are others, and I think there are fewer people that say, I know I want to be better and I need to be better. And the process of becoming better is my happiness. Okay, so how does someone, let's take a little step back, is that, so understanding that it's up to us, right, as an individual, and we keep talking about the medical field, right, that the medical field, and you'll always hear this from us, is constantly evolving, constantly changing. So you have to evolve, you have to change, you have to continue to grow. How do you, what are some of the tools that people could take, use to do a self-evaluation so they know their strengths, their weaknesses? Because you have to have kind of this understanding of who you are before you can move on. Before you can identify who you want to be. Who you want to be, right? right. And, and understand that five years from now can be completely different. Correct. So people are listening to this podcast going, well, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're sharing this, but what do I do? Right. So, what's something they could do to do to find and, and self-evaluate? Well, I think it, I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to understand who you are. You know, I spend a lot of my life taking all kinds of surveys to identify. You know, who, what personality does Charlie have? Right. Uh, and I'm talking about myself as a third person, so sure. uh, it's even hard to say that. <laughs> uh, one of the things I one of the great tools is Myers-Briggs and you know on our website we have a link to that it's a free test 
And if you, do, if you really look into Myers-Briggs, it breaks personalities down, personalities into 16 different ones. And if you know each of the four drivers to your personality, uh, you'll understand yourself much better. Plus, it'll give you a clue as to what careers would be best for you. It's a great tool to understand uh, who am I. If you can have other people in your circle take it, it really actually helps you start to under, understand how to communicate with each other mm -hmm. more effectively. Mm -hmm. It's a self-discovery is very, very important. One of the other areas that you can do is to try to take some time to understand how you learn. Knowing yeah. how you learn is really important. And that's interesting because different companies, they have different styles of training, right? Right. And the, the style in which they train may not work to your strengths. Well, everybody, there's, there are three learning styles. Right. Although there are some companies that show seven, but for the sake of our discussion, let's talk about uh, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic style of learning. All of us have a different combination of those three. So no two people learn exactly alike. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies are trying to pretend, pretend that they can match their curriculum to your learning style, mm -hmm. but it's really pretty elementary. Yeah, well how could you do that with 20, 30 people in a training class and have an individual Well, you style? can't. You can't. Well, they're doing it on computer, uh, e-learning, computer-based yeah, learning. But, but still, even still. So as an individual though, I would have to know, like for myself, I'm a visual learner and an auditory learner, but I, I learn by talking and writing it down. Like, okay, right? that, those are learning methods, Jim. Okay. There are three styles and four methods. Okay. So your visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Kinesthetic means by touching things, moving your body, body movements, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and obviously auditory is by listening. And we have like, clues to which ones you are. But the methods you learn by, you either learn by reading, you learn by, some people learn by writing, some people learn by talking, like you and I. Yeah. <laughs> and some people will learn by reading, uh, by listening. Okay. So, am I a visual, kinesthetic, auditory learner that learns by reading, writing, talking, or listening? Mm -hmm. If you can discover what you are, then you're going to maximize your opportunities to learn wherever you are. Okay. Now, unfortunately, when I was in college, my first two years I tried to learn by reading, and uh, I almost flunked out. Really? <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> my last two years I came to realize that I did better in school, in college, when I went to class every day, sat in the front, and had a dialogue with the instructor. Right. Now, as I learned my learning style later in life, that was exactly the right way to learn for me because I'm a visual learner and I, I learn by talking and so the dialogue between myself and the professor helped me learn more effectively. Unfortunately, they don't give a test like that to kids coming out of high school. Right. They only test how smart you are, not right. how, how you learn. I think if I knew that then it would have helped me, but learning it at any point in your life is going to help you. You know, let's talk a little bit about the learning styles. Sure. If you're a visual learner, people who are visual learners tend to speak quickly. That's why I think we speak at double time on our podcast. <laughs> they want the big picture. Uh, they don't like to be read to. They have a uh, tendency to like art rather than music. They're not distracted by noise. I, I can tell you when I'm doing some serious research, 
I can have blaring rock music in my ears and it doesn't distract me whatsoever. Uh, they remember what they see. Uh, sometimes visual people struggle, struggle with verbal instructions. Mm -hmm. I have my whole life, when I talk on the phone with someone, they tell me something to do, I never remember what to do unless I write it down. Right. Writing it provides me a visual cue. Right. Because once I write it, I can see it in my head, right? That's right. Uh, they prefer short answers, yeah. not long answers. And they, you know, they like to follow written directions rather than spoken directions. And they remember faces. Mm -hmm. And can you see a lot of those things in yourself? Oh my God, Charlie, it's everything that you just said. You know, that's, that's exactly how I go through it. If someone starts talking to me and they drone on, and when I say drone on for me is four minutes. Like right? I just did now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you don't get to the point right away, I've stopped paying attention. Right. Right? Unless it's something you're really interested in. Well, yeah, right, sure. But if I just get to the facts, let me know. I just yeah. need to know the facts and move on. But, you know, absolutely. That's me. So if in an auditory list learner, my, my wife is a tremendous auditory learner. She knows the words for every song she's ever heard. I can't remember the words for Born to Run, and I've been listening to it for 35 years. Right. It's pretty crazy. But an auditory learner really likes to talk to themselves. Uh, they they want explanations. They enjoy reading out loud, like music over art, of course. Um, they're distracted by noise. They remember what they hear. They remember verbal instructions and long explanations. And they follow oral directions. And they do remember names. One of my colleagues in the training business is amazing at remembering people's names. Mm -hmm. And he tried to teach me how he does it. I can't master it. Yeah. Because I can't learn by well, see, listening. And I know we have another learning um, uh, style there, but the question I'd have for you is, can you be multiple and can you train yourself to be something that you're not? Or are you better off just focusing on your strengths and improving those strengths? Well, Jim, I think uh, I have learned through the years, and, and I didn't know this earlier, uh, I do have more... Uh, 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 auditory skill than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. um, I am more kinesthetic than I thought I was. What I've tried to do is my main learning method has been talking. Yep. But of late, I've done, I've done more reading. I've done more writing. Okay. So in reading and writing, now I can use my visual learning to help me better. Okay. Uh, by writing things down instead of trying to remember them. Mm -hmm. uh, crazy thing is before I go to the grocery store, I take pictures on my phone of the things I need to buy. Right. So I won't forget sure. them. That works better than a list. Yeah. Uh, so when you got, so as a sales rep, right? So first thing is, is self-reflection, self-discovery, right? What are your strengths? How do you learn? What are your learning styles? Then saying to yourself, okay, this is what I want to get better at. So now you know you want to get better at you know, a lot of, and this will be a different podcast, is just asking questions. I think in sales we could do a, a much better job of asking questions. Now, if you're a visual learner and you're asking questions, how do you become better at listening to the responses that your, your surgeon, your nurse, your purchasing manager is giving you so you become more effective? At, at listening. At listening. Well, I think that's great, Jim, because 
What I've learned to do as a visual learner is I actually listen with my eyes. Okay. So I watch a person when they talk. I keep my eyes glued to their face. Yeah. I don't turn away. That way I can see them. I have a visual uh, tape right. of them talking to me. And then I can hear the words. And I'll listen them, to them with my eyes throughout their conversation. Because my goal isn't to come up with another question to ask them. It's so I can confirm what they said. So I listen to the end, and then I try to say back to them what I heard. You know, I might be, Doctor, I think I heard you say that this, that, and the other thing was important to you. Am I correct? And what I found is that creates sales conversations, of kind of uh, sales presentations. And in selling, it's okay to present when you have a big audience of people. I think when you're one-on-one -on -one with a customer, it's probably better to have a conversation than a presentation. Right. Would you agree with that? No, absolutely. And so those are, but see, isn't that interesting though? So as an auditory learner, do you think they are more naturally adept to asking better questions and listening? Or, or do you find that the skill set doesn't matter as a sales rep? And I'm wondering because I'm this visual learner, but I'm very curious as an individual, right? right? So I ask questions because I really want to know the answer, right. right? I just don't want to throw up the features and benefits of my product or service. I want to know so I can create a value train, right? And a value train is I ask a question, I understand, I create some value with what I'm there for. Ask another question. So, but I'm a visual learner, but in my head, I'm seeing where this conversation's right. going visually. Yes. Right? But I have to ask the question. So I'm, I'm just wondering, would an auditory learner be a better salesperson naturally? No. Interesting. And the reason why I say that, it's not, it's not what you're using to hear with. It's what your brain is doing while you're listening. Okay, okay. Now, if your brain is thinking about where you're going to go with the next question. Without listening to the answer. Without listening to the answer then you're not going to hear what the person says. Regardless. So if you, if you want to learn to be a better listener, number one, look at people when they talk to you, listen to their entire answer, and then at the end of the answer, confirm back to them what you heard. Okay. If you do that, if your goal is to confirm what you heard rather than to tell them what you want to tell them, mm -hmm. see, we use probes to get to tell people what we want to tell them. Well, and, it's, and actually what we should we should change that it's to ask the question you want to ask right so you can get the information you need so you know what the next question should be well it's kind of like right? your interest who are you most interested in yourself talking or learning what the needs of your customer are right right it's it's no it's learning what those needs are and now it's so funny how this conversation has gone into now where we've evolved it into asking really good questions in a sales call but we base it off of knowing who you are as a learner. Right. So you can get better at that basic skill set of selling. Because why? We end up getting so wrapped around the axle with our day. We get into the mundane. We get into the rote. I'm visiting ex-doctors and hospitals. You lose yourself and you lose that motivation and that self-development. Right? So I, I just I found it fascinating how this just conversation just kind of turned into that. Because you and I are curious people, we ask questions, and, 
it's algorithmic the way in which we move and weave yeah, through this. Conversation is algorithmic, right? And so that's a skill set. I would say, okay, ninety um, percent of us as sales professionals need to get better at. Right. So it would be interesting, and I think you know this too. Be self-reflective. Be self-motivated. Find that Lou Bennett, who we've we haven't mentioned, I think, but Lou Bennett was this incredible medical device entrepreneur in the seventies, eighties, and nineties who I had to work with, had the pleasure to work with over at Sophomore Danic, he would tell everyone you can only work on one skill set, one skill set for 30, 60 days. If you do two, you'll fail at two. And he goes, but do one, work on one. And figure out what that is and get better at it over 30 days, and then it becomes a habit. Absolutely. And then pick the next one out. And so... From that, though, you have to be self-reflective and know what you're bad at, or what, and maybe not what you're not bad, bad at. Just you haven't you what forgotten you need what you need improvement at. What you forgot sometimes as sales reps, we forgot what made us successful. Absolutely, right? And and then we just start running and, and not being taking a step back. There's that saying I can't remember the basketball coach that said it. Sometimes you got to slow down to go fast. Right. I think most well, of that us actually came out of the Japanese. I think. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I didn't know that. When I go slow, I go fast. Okay. So when you go slow, you go fast. So take a step back, slow down, and figure out what you need to do and what you need to get better at. But you have to be self-reflective, right? And you have to know your learning styles. Well, you don't have to know them. It would help you to know them yeah. if you're curious. Well, we better be curious, right? Well, I don't think we have... We, it's not we better be curious. The people that are most successful are curious. Okay. And I guess that's... Okay. No, that's fair. That's actually a fair statement. So if those that, you know, are, are still doing well, are hitting their numbers, and they want to get better, the one thing they can do is, we think, we don't know, we don't have all the answers, but we think, just be a little bit more curious about yourself, what you're doing, be self-reflective, find that one thing you can get better at. Every day. Every day, but you'll only work on really one thing at a time, right. right? Do it for 30 days, make it a habit. Make it a habit. And one of them is, I think, as salespeople across the board, we get a bad rap, especially from, from surgeons, is that we just try to th- throw product at them, features. Better off, we got to deliver value. Well, I think it would, it would transfer to your, uh, your relationships, too. Sure. If you pay more attention and listen better to your significant other, your kids' thoughts yeah. and beliefs and feelings, rather than trying to tell them what you believe, right. you're going to have a much better, closer relationship because you're going to know your children better mm-hmm. than you actually do when you're telling them what to do. That's true. So when we talk about these skill sets, it, is, it, does, it doesn't just apply to your professional sales career. It, it can actually apply to your personal life. Everything, I think everything applies to your personal life. Mm-hmm. I think it all comes back. And I really feel, Jim, it's every, every individual has the opportunity to be reflective. They have the opportunity to take some time and identify within themselves. Are they curious or are they competitive? When they find out, I am, com- com- I am curious, but I'm very competitive, who are you going to compete with? Is it going to be with your peers? Is it going to be with your friends? Is it going to be with your family? Or are you going to p- compete with yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's a decision you make. Right. Now, if you're competing with yourself, you're probably more inclined to develop yourself because you set goals. And a goal is like a strategy. And strategies take tactics. And I call those activities. So when you set a strategic goal for yourself, 
and you do the activities like the research you need to do, the writing you need to do, the movies you need to watch, you're going to be better at those skills that are going to make you successful. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, the one thing that in our lives I think that comes back to, we are responsible for what we choose to do or not do. Correct. And if we decide that there's something wrong, whatever that wrong is, it's not someone else's fault, we have to take charge. And you may, the people listening out there, some of you may belong to Johnson & Johnson and they have great training programs and development programs, but it might not fit your need where you are today, so you got to figure it out. Some of you are with very, very small companies that don't have learning and development and training programs to, to try to uncover how you learn and, and how to self-evaluate and how to grow. It's still your responsibility. At the end of the day, you live with yourself and you achieve what you set out to achieve. And if you are the type of person that wants to give the responsibility to your own development to someone else and wait for them to teach you, or are you gonna be the person that takes it upon themselves to make themselves better? I think it's time, we've talked a lot. If you put it on, on slow speed, it'll take an hour. <laughs> <laughs> But goodbye to our nation. We'll see you guys the next time. I thought, uh, uh, Charlie, this was a really good conversation once again. How do, you, how do you get better at what you do every day? That's up to you to choose. That's right. Choose right. yourself. Choose yourself. Jim Eltucher. Go read that book. All right, guys. Thanks Bye -bye. a lot. We'll talk to you soon.